Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Once again, I want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you at our Hazlitt campus, our McKinney campus, maybe here at a video venue at our Keller campus, those of you watching online or watching online later. We're so glad that you're with us. Would you join me in welcoming those watching along with us? So excited to be finishing this summer series. How do we draw closer to God? Now, I know it may be hard for us to believe, but summer is drawing to a close. Your kids are about to get back on a normal routine or normal schedule. Uh, But even though summer is ending, that does not mean it's gonna be any cooler around here in Texas. On behalf of my people and my ancestors, you can probably tell I'm not native to Texas. Um, us gingers, we just, we're just trying to figure it out. So if you're just new to Texas, let me tell you what I do that it works for me. You just can't fight it. You just lean into the heat. Just lean into it. Just go outside and be like, I'm gonna just sweat and it'll be all right. And then um, I'll just apologize later and my muscles will be more loose and I'll just, you know, it helps my skin, I think. So try to find good things to be outside because it's gonna be hot whether you're happy or not. And you just enjoy it a lot more when your spirit's right and your heart's full. So that's free. That's not even the message. All right, here we go. How do we draw closer to God? I hope you've joined us throughout this series. We've had a great time. Pastor Tyron kicked us off with a message on prayer and how prayer helps us get closer to God. And then we had Pastor Steve Vigalas talk about how understanding what God's doing helps us. Then we had Dino Rizzo come give an inspiring word on on understanding God's heart. And then last week, Pastor Steve Chestnut talked about how as we connect as a church family, we grow together towards God. And I wanna finish the series by helping us think about maybe something you've never thought about. How does God uniquely close this gap? What are, I think of it this way, there are two things we have to hold together at the same time. Don't worry, you can do it. Two things can be true at the same time. The Bible is filled with this, we call them a paradox. It's a tension, it's a truth where we hold on to two things. So we're gonna look at two places. If you brought your Bible, we're gonna look at Romans 11, and then we're gonna look at John 15. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's okay. I'll I'll put the verses on the screen, I'm gonna read them to you. But all in this idea of how do we get closer to God? I don't know about you, I I wanna be closer to God. I wanna be close enough to hear his voice. I wanna be close enough to be in his presence. I love that the Bible says this is actually possible on our way to Romans 11. Look what James 4, 8 says. If we'll draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Now make no mistake as we understand scripture, maybe you're watching online, you're thinking about, oh, so it's about me. If I do it, if I initiate this, then I'll get closer. No, that's not what the Bible's saying. We only love because he first loved us while we were sinners. Christ loved us, he pursues us, he comes after us, but it is cooperative. There is a participatory element where we do things that help us get closer to God. Now the truth is, we hear that and we want that, but it's not so easy. Why, why is it hard to be close to God? Well, I think there's a bunch of different reasons, I'm just gonna talk about three. The first one is, let's just be honest, really simply, we can't see him. We can't see God. You ever talk to somebody and they're like, man, I just felt God. You're like, how'd you know? Could you see him? No, you can't see him. We understand in relationships, so much of relationship is, 
nonverbal, right? It's body language, it's tone, it's contact, it's presence. How do you have that with someone you can't see? It makes it a little tricky. I don't know if you've ever wondered, many times I've wondered, God, are you here? Where are you? I don't know if I can find you because I can't see you. That's not the only challenge. Here's another challenge. It can be hard to hear him. You know, as a dad and teaching your kids to spend time in God's presence and to read his word, I'll be like, if you'll listen, you can hear his voice. And they're like, dad, how do I know it's God? Well, I try to explain. We know that like we know anybody else's voice. The more you're around them, the more you recognize their voice. And so we have to slow ourselves down, which is not easy for us. We have to quiet all the other distractions and make ourselves present. But, but there are times where that just still feels hard, right? You ever talk to somebody and be like, God told me, and you're like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't God, right? Like, we, we, we have a hard time sifting through that. Those are two common ones, but maybe the biggest one is this third one. We don't know how to relate to him. H- how do you relate to an uncreated, eternal being? H- how, do you, how do you have this gap closed between you and this holy, other, eternal, all-powerful. I don't know if you've noticed lately, we've got some new images from space. Every time I see images from space, it blows my mind. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but when the Bible said, when Jesus said, when God said, let there be light, science tells us that the universe is expanding at the speed of light, it hasn't stopped. He's a big guy. You, got, you could feel like, I don't know how much I have in common with God. How am I supposed to relate to him? And if we're really honest, we're not that great at relating to each other, right? Like the last couple of years have shown us we're not that good at it. We're not that good with our neighbors. We're not that good with people at work. Let's be honest, we're not even that good with our family. Every family has people in the family who think they're good at relating to each other and everybody else's. Did you hear about what so-and-so did? Let's be honest, in church, we all have that. Maybe you're that person in your family. We all have them, right? And we just do stuff, and it's not that we're not trying, we're just not great at it, because relating well to other people isn't something that comes natural to human beings. We all know this, right? Like I can think of many examples from my own life, from my kid's life. I was thinking about when my son, oldest son was five. We were at this event, and I was watching him, and he was talking with people, and there was a person in a wheelchair, And I started to think, oh no, what's he gonna say? He's never seen someone in a wheelchair. I didn't have a chance to prepare him. He could say anything. So I'm walking over and it feels like slow motion right as he's about to say something. He looks at the person, he looks at them, he looks at me and he goes, nice wheels. (laughs) I think in his head he thought like, we could get chairs with wheels on them? Or like, it it didn't cross his mind. You know, let's be honest. We don't even really like small talk. We, 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 We have to do it. Some of us do, a few of us do, but most of us, most people, they, you know, small talk's a little awkward. You're trying your best to connect and be friendly and reach out. You don't want to say something weird or you don't want to say something bad. And, and I try my best and I'm growing and getting better at it and trying to be present in small talk and you meet lots of people. And, and I can remember there was a time not that long ago where I was visiting with the guy and we had a great conversation and then I saw him somewhere else and my son was with me and I was like, man, I, that guy was, we had a great moment and I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't remember his name. So we started talking and I was hoping there would be a moment, you know how you do, like it works it back into the conversation and you, you use little tricks. And then uh, uh, we, we had a little break in our conversation and my younger son goes, dad, that, you really like that guy. What's his name? I was like, son, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. I turn around, my youngest son walks right up to him and goes, my dad doesn't know your name. <laughs> I don't know if I can still be a pastor. That actually happened. There's one that's even worse than that a few years ago. I was in 
Europe for a mission trip, and I was, we were doing the small talk thing. I was trying to relate to people. I was trying to play it cool. Didn't speak the language, had an interpreter for that. But I, I'm cool, I can relate to people. And so I like a hand pound, I like a handshake, I like a bro hug. But we're in Europe. I don't know if you know this, they have a whole other level of greeting and introduction. They do this greeting. Now you can't just try this without training. They do a greeting, maybe you haven't seen this, where you come in and you don't actually touch, but you give a little kiss on one side and you pull back out and then you give a little kiss on the other side. High level greeting, high level of relationship. Yes, it's in the Bible. Yes, maybe you've seen it in different cultures. I didn't think I could handle it, but I wasn't given a choice. A guy comes up to me. He, I, I give him one of these, I give him one of these. He waves both of them off. And in my mind, my, I start saying to myself, this is happening. Just go with it. So he leans in. I've never tried this before. I lean in. I try to do it smooth, right? Like I'm going to be smooth. I'm just going to come on this side. I picked the wrong side. We almost headbutt. So I stop. I pull back. Audible. Other side. He'd already moved. So headbutt, headbutt. I was like, we can't be friends. We tried. We'll just pick somebody else. I, I couldn't do it. it. It's hard to relate. Maybe we feel that way with God. I'd imagine if you're here, there's probably a moment in your life where you felt close to God. You, you, maybe it was in a crisis, maybe a family member, maybe it was in a worship service, maybe it was a message, maybe it was a camp or a VBS, maybe it was something, but, but it was a moment where you felt close to him, but you're like, I don't know how to consistently do that. I don't know how to make these moments where I feel close to God, where I know his presence, where I'm one of those people who says, God spoke this to me. How do I become a person like that? Well, we, we know you want that, and we know it's not easy. We know it's challenging, but we also believe it can be done. It's a gift that God has for all of his people, which brings us over to Romans chapter 11. I love this little passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. If you're familiar with the Bible, if you're familiar with church, if you're watching online, you're like, usually when we go to Romans, we go to Romans 8, really encouraging. You go to Romans 12, pretty clear direction. We don't usually spend a lot of time in Romans 9 through 11 as a pastor in a message like this because it's dense, it's thick. It's probably the, one of the most complicated passages in the entire Bible. Theologians and scholars are still trying to figure out exactly what's happening in that passage. It's dense, it's complicated, but I love how the passage ends. Now this is the Apostle Paul and he's writing to one of the most significant churches. Apostle Paul, a brilliant thinker. I mean, he was the best of the best. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Incredibly insightful, incredibly deep in his understanding of God. Incredibly mature in, his, in the way that he approached the things of the Spirit. But I think he gives us an incredible window into how do we reproach God? How do we relate to God in a way that brings us close to him? Look what it says here, Romans eleven thirty three. Remember, he's ending one of the most complicated passages in the entire Bible. If you have your Bible, you may notice that the words here are offset, and the reason is he's actually singing a song. How wild is that? Look what he says. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Wow. Wow, think about that. Now, you, you might be the kind of person who 
You know, maybe like Paul, you're, you're regarded as someone who's intelligent, who is insightful. Maybe you've walked with God for a long time and you've been a mature Christian. And, and I've found that sometimes being mature or being intelligent or being smart can actually work against you. Because people go, oh, you're so smart, and you start to take your identity and how smart you are. You try to find your identity and how long you've walked with God. And if anybody could have done that, it would have been Paul. He had a real depth in his understanding of God. I, I know some of you come and you're like, well, we listen to the worship and we listen to the singing, but what I really want is the message part. And it would be easy to think Paul was one of those kind of guys, let's get past the singing, let's just drink coffee during the singing so we can get to the meat of the word. Here's the meatiest guy ever in the history of the word going, if we really wanna be close to God, we gotta admit we don't know what he's doing and we worship him anyway. How might you be closer to God if like Paul, you admitted, God, your ways are not my ways, your paths are not my paths, you understand things that I can't begin to comprehend, but I still want to know you. Look what he goes on to say. Who's ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Paul's saying, there's no question in my heart, in my mind, that I am not God. I do not understand all the things of God. I do not sit in judgment over what's happening in my life. But the way that I get close to God is by admitting that God is bigger, greater, stronger, better than I am. And as I worship him, I get closer to him. You're like, Jed, why are you belaboring the point? Well, I think this is something that we all can relate to at some level. We have this sense of God is other, he's out there, but how does that change how we relate to him? Well, the theological term, if I were to summarize it, is this, God is sovereign. He's sovereign, what does that mean? Well, it means he's in control. He's in control of everything. Now you're saying, well, Jed, does that mean that everything that happens to me in my life is a function of his will? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Paul's saying, but that's a different message. So how do we understand? How do we relate? Well, we have that same heart that Paul had. You know, when you think about sovereign, it's not just in control. Sovereign is another name for a ruler. You know, there are places in the world now, certain places, where they refer to the leader of their country as a sovereign or a sovereign kingdom. So to say God's sovereign is to say he reigns and he's king and he's over it all. You're like, Jed, why are you telling that to us? Because if we're gonna be close to him, we have to understand who he is. Because to be close to who he is is to know him and to understand how, how do we relate to him in this result? Here's what I would say. Because he's king, because he's sovereign, because he's other, we treat him with a reverence and an awe and a holiness. We don't treat him as something that's typical or ordinary or, or we get to it when it's convenient to us. We treat him with the majesty and the magnificence of who he really is. The amazing thing is, in all of his glory, in all of his sovereignty, in all of his power, he still invites us into his presence. Which brings us over to John 15, another great chapter in scripture, another great moment, one of my all-time favorites. You're wondering what's happening. This is the very night that Jesus would have celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. He's getting ready to be arrested and betrayed, and, and in the morning he'll be crucified. If you can imagine what was happening on a night like that, he brings his disciples close to him, and he tells them, here's what I'm going through, here's what's gonna happen, 
Here's what you need to know in order to make it down the road that you're about to walk on. I don't know about you, but when I come to a moment like that in scripture, I wanna know what's going on. John 15, look what he says here in verse 13. I love this. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Watch this. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now imagine being there on that night. It would be a little strange. Like, Jesus, you're about to die. Jesus, you're, you're getting us ready. You're gonna tell us about, you've been talking about the Holy Spirit. What does it have to do with friendship? And Jesus' point is, has everything to do with friendship and the Holy Spirit and where you're gonna go. Because Jesus isn't just giving a sidebar lesson on friendship. He's explaining to them what he had been modeling for the past few years they'd been walking with them. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter five that Jesus in moments would regularly withdraw from the people, withdraw from the crowds to be with God. Why would he do that? Because he would pray. And he wasn't just God's son, he was also God's friend. And everything that was in his heart and everything that was in his life and as he carried the weight and as he carried the pressure, he wanted to be close to God, to hear God's heart, to hear his presence, to get God's insight, to get God's perspective. And Jesus is giving us a window of how this works. Verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. What an interesting little thought. I don't know how long you've had a relationship with God. Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you're exploring one. I can remember as a kid going to VBS like we were talking about not that long ago and, and going to church and going to youth group and somewhere along the way I heard this idea that God wants to be my friend. I thought, well, that's interesting. That's kind of cool that God, like almighty God, wants to be my friend. Now, that sounds a little different if you've gone to VBS or if you've gone to youth group or the different things. That's not how these disciples would have heard this idea. Do you like emojis? I like emojis. I have a bunch of different emojis that I like. I like the big eye emoji. I send that one a lot. I like the contemplative emoji. You like that one, the emoji that looks like this? I send that one all the time. Here's probably one of my favorite. You ever use this one? The mind blown emoji. <laughs> I like the mind blown emoji so much, I use this one, the one that actually looks like me with my mind blown. I like that a lot. If the disciples were texting in this moment, they probably would have sent the mind-blown emoji text. You're like, Jed, why? Maybe you're watching online. Why are you making this such a big point? Here's the thing. In all of the Bible up to this moment, there are only two people who were referred to as God's friend. And even those two, it said it was like they were a friend. It wasn't like they were close buddies and they hung out all the time. It was like God loved Two people, Abraham and Moses, so much that he treated them like friends. Now you're probably sitting there going, no, no matter how much understanding of church you have, like the disciples, they were probably going, wait a minute, Jesus, we're not you, we're definitely not Abraham, God didn't start this whole thing with us. There's no song about Father Abraham, about us, and they, they probably realized we just celebrated the Passover, that was what you did with Moses, we're not that, but Jesus is saying, because of me and your relationship with me, you can be God's friend in a way that even Abraham and Moses could not. Look what he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. When we're God's friend, 
we bear fruit, that fruit remains and we can ask him anything. I think most of us get stuck because we don't understand these two ideas. We have a hard time holding them together. You say, can you simplify? I'm gonna try. We don't feel close to God because we get stuck in one of two extremes. On one extreme, we feel like God is far away and he's preoccupied. We live in a world where busy people don't have room on their calendar for us and in fact, they wall themselves off from our day-to-day lives. We can't get to them. And if busy people are that way, how much more is God that way? I found there's another extreme though. The other extreme on this side is we reduce God all the way down because we can't get God, we can't get to God. We try to bring God down to us and we turn him into like a cosmic genie where God's whole function in the earth and his whole purpose is to make our needs come true. We only talk to him, we only get close to him when we need him to bail us out. It's almost as if if we create a God in our own minds to meet our own needs and then we realize all we really have is an imaginary friend. How do you bridge that gap? I feel like some of us don't feel safe because we don't relate to God as sovereign. We don't understand he's king of the universe. Some of us can't imagine God would want to be your friend because you're not sure he loves you. But here's the good news. Here's what I want you to get, and I'm gonna try to spend the rest of our time making it as practical as I can over in Hazlitt and McKinney. Because God is sovereign, we can feel safe, and because God is love, we can be his friend. Here's what I love about what Paul shows us. Paul says, God, your ways are higher, your ways are better, your ways are bigger, but I don't have to understand what you're doing to receive your goodness and to walk in everything you have for me. You may have never thought about it this way. Did you know that the letter of of Romans was written because Paul kept trying to go visit this church and for whatever reason, he was never able to. He never made it to Rome to go visit the church, so he had to write a letter instead. How frustrating is that? He loves these people, he wants to help them. God, why won't you let me help them? He had a million reasons, as strong and as intelligent, as insightful as he was. He had a million reasons to feel like, God, are you there? God, do you hear me? He was persecuted, he was thrown in prison, he was beaten up, he was shipwrecked. So many terrible things happened to him, and yet, because he was close with God, he said, God, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're closer to me than my challenge is. I have a hard time relating to Paul as a guy who went to the third heaven. I didn't even know there was a second one. But I can relate to a Paul who says, in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my sorrow, God, you are the God of all comfort who met me in that place. How incredible that this guy who saw him as so other felt him so near. You and I can have that same hope. And in the same way. You you say, Jed, how how does this all work? Well, only it's possible like everything else in God's word through the person of Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, but he's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. I don't know the last time in your life where you said, God, I want to be close to you. God, I need to be close to you. Or maybe in your relationship with God, He said, here's something I want you to do. I was thinking about it in my own life. There's literally hundreds of stories I could choose from, but here's a recent one. I was, this summer, spending some time with God, and he said to me, he said, son, I want you to take your youngest son, and I want you to take some time, and I want you to talk to him about what it means to become a man, and what it means to make that transition, and how sexuality works. And I was like, Lord, are you sure? 
I was like, he's only 11. I was like, there's plenty of time. He, and, and the Lord said to me, well, you might be a little bit slow on this one. Get busy, buster. And I was like, well, that's how he talks to me. And, and, and I said, okay, Lord, but do you understand my son? He goes like, yeah, I get it. Because see, my older son, we did this. And we started to talk, and, and my older son let me off easy. He goes, Dad, can we stop talking about this? It's too much. My younger son's not really like that. A couple months ago, we were reading the book of Proverbs. We were reading Proverbs 4. Your wisdom is, seek after wisdom. It's more valuable than silver or gold. It's like, man, this is awesome. Son, are you getting this? He's like, yeah, Dad, got it. We keep reading along, and then out of nowhere, Proverbs 4, it says, beware the adulterous woman. He's like, Dad, what's that about? I was like, don't worry, we'll cover it later. So we keep reading. He goes, Dad, I think we gotta go back to that woman. Something's going on with her. I wanna find out what's happening. So as you can imagine, I was a little apprehensive about going on this thing. And he's like, and God kept telling me, I want you to do this. Don't worry, You're, it's not on you and how clever you are. I'm gonna help you in this moment. I was like, Lord, are you sure? He's like, yes, I'm sure, do it. So I was like, okay. So we get ready and we go to the hotel. We start talking. I'm like, okay, son, it's safe space. Any question you have, ask me any question. And assuming like he might have one or two. A couple hours later, there we are. And You know, the truth is we, we live in a perverted, godless culture in so many ways in this area of our lives. So we can ignore it, we can hope somebody else will do it, or we can trust God and obey when he asks us to do something. So we started having the conversation, and God helped me so greatly. Here's what happened. We didn't make it about, here's all the things that are wrong, and here's all the way that you can mess up your life. By the presence and the spirit of God, I looked at my son, Luke, and I said, Luke, look at your mom and I. We're not perfect, we made mistakes, but we're 28 years into marriage and we love each other more than the day we got married. And we didn't do that because we had six ways to improve your marriage, not that there aren't helpful tips and, and, and things that we can grow to get better. We did it because we put Jesus at the center and we said, God, you're in charge of this family and as you lead this family, we're gonna do our best to follow you. And I said, son, as you make your way into a dark, perverted, difficult culture, the answer is not get really smart and figure out all the tricks for every situation. The answer is put Jesus at the center. Make him the highest goal. And as we walk together, you can experience everything that God has for you in this area of your life. You don't have to be afraid. We're gonna walk this road together. Jesus is gonna help us. And we ended the night by praying for his wife. He looked at me and said, Dad, I feel God's presence. See, we think, oh man, I don't know how to get close. I don't have all the things. I'm not this, I'm not that. When Jesus is just saying, if you'll relate to me for who I am, and if you'll humble yourself and be my friend, I'll come and fill that space where you need me most. He did it for me, he'll do it for you. Before I pray for you, I wanna make it as simple as I can. Two questions that we ask that'll bring us closer to God. The first one is this. If God is both safe and sovereign, what do I need to submit to him? What do I need to submit to him? We hold on to things so tight. I do it, I, I, I'm sure you probably do it too. Those of you over in Hazlitt or watching online, 
We, we get something in our hearts, we get something in our minds, and we're like, I gotta do this, I gotta make this happen. If I don't get this, my life is not gonna be the life that I truly want or I truly need. The problem is, we, we get constant reinforcement, constant messaging in our world that tells us this is the way towards the life we want. And the problem is, it's not true. See, selfishness has always been human beings' greatest problem. And I don't know if there's ever been a moment in human history where selfishness has been more celebrated. The other day I was working out on an app and, and I was listening to the trainer and I was just trying to get through it and, and I was real sweaty and the trainer started saying things like, you could do it, today's a great day to make your personal best. And I was like, this is awesome, I could do this, I'm feeling encouraged, I like the song that's playing. And then he goes, the trainer says to me, he says, what you need to do is look deeper inside you, all the strength and all the power that you need on the inside of you. And if anyone tells you that it's not on the inside of you, don't listen to them. I was like, wait a minute, I'm looking inside and the power that I need is not in me, it's in the Holy Ghost. And then I started thinking about, this guy, he's supposed to be a trainer, but he turned into a life coach, and not a very good one. And then pastorally, I looked at the leaderboard, I was like, who's gonna help all these people? I started praying, I was like, we, we need help, this brother's, he's gonna, we're gonna crash the bike. Now I gave away what the app was. Anyways, um, if you know, you know. But, but, but here's the point. I don't know if you remember, I was thinking about this when I was in college. We used to have these things, infomercials. Remember infomercials? We'd watch them late at night. They were targeted marketing. They only came on late at night. You'd be watching TV because you couldn't sleep or whatever. Are you tired? Yeah, I'm tired. How'd you know? You're good, marketers. What do, what do you want me to buy? Like ShamWow, Ab, Ab Light, whatever, whatever it is. I'll buy whatever it is because you really are smart. You know me. You get me, right? Like it used to just be infomercials. Now we carry these supercomputers in our pocket that listen to everything we say. And whatever we say or we talk about, they start to message targeted marketing because they tell us, if you really want to be happy, it's in you. Whatever you want, whatever you desire, it's in you. The problem is we're more affluent than ever and more miserable and anxious than ever. Why? Because we make really bad gods. We're not meant to be God. If you said, you can have whatever you want, we get it, and then we're still not happy. Why? Because the path that we're looking for is not the path that surrounds us at the center. It's the path that puts God at the center. What if we said, God, because you're sovereign, because you're safe, you can have it all. Whatever you ask, I humbly say, here it is. How would that change your relationship with your spouse? How would that change your relationship with your teenager? How would it change that person you haven't been able to forgive? How would it change your finances? If you said, God, because you're sovereign, because you're Lord, you can have it all, and whatever you ask, the answer is yes. Because Jesus didn't just tell his friends at that table about how to be a friend with God. He went to a garden and he said, God, not my will, but your will be done. If we wanna be close to him, we have to treat him for who he is. Here's the second question we have to ask. If God is a loving friend, where have I missed the opportunity to be with him? True friendship never starts with what do I get? Did you know that there's a lot of research being done on this? And what they found so far in the research is that there's absolutely no correlation between the number of friends we have and our happiness. But there's a huge correlation between the depth of our friendships and our personal happiness and fulfillment. We don't need more friends, 
We need better friends. And the way to get better friends is to be a better friend. And there's no other friendship where it's better and, and, and more meaningful to learn this than your relationship with God. Now, you're, you're probably thinking, if you're watching along and listening online, you're probably going, Jed, but if that's the case, if we don't approach God with what do I get from God, but how do I be a blessing to God? What do you get for God? What do you get for the guy who has everything? It's a great question. I understand it, it makes sense, and here's what I would say. There's nothing that God needs. There's nothing that you can give him, like Paul said, that's, that, that would put him in your debt. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a way that you can grow in your relationship. He's the same God that he's always been. What does God want? The same thing he wanted from the beginning, from the very beginning. When he made that very first family, what did he do? Every single day, he came to them and said, I wanna be with you. I wanna walk with you. I wanna show you this beautiful world. I wanna enjoy it together. I wanna talk with you. I wanna, I wanna ask you about the things that are troubling you. I, I want you to just be with me and we'll walk together and we'll talk together and we'll laugh together. I want a relationship with you like that. And you know what? That's still what he wants from you. How would your life be different if in the things that you care about most, you invited Jesus into those things the way that you would invite a close friend? What do we do with our friends? We laugh together, we cry together, we talk about the things that make us worried, we talk about the things that make us anxious. We share our lives and in the same way, the God of the universe who loves you and knows you and created you and has a purpose and plan for your life wants to be your friend. There's nothing more incredible, more beautiful, more life altering that I could give you than that. And because we think it's difficult, we think, oh, wait, wait, Jed, seriously? You mean, to tell me, you mean to tell me that God will relate to me that way? You, you mean to tell me that God cares about the things in my life? Well, let me ask it to you this way. All those things you care about, your job, your, your family, even fun things like a hobby or things that you're into, you're, you're saying God cares about those? Yes, I'm saying God cares about those things. There's all kinds of things that I enjoy in my life. I, I, I like to play sports. I like to exercise, I like to watch movies, I like to read books, and I've found the longer that I walked with God, the more I invite him into the everyday places of my life, the more he comes to be a part of my life. Now that doesn't mean that he endorses all of my attitudes, but oh no, make no mistake, you invite him into what you're doing, he's not shy about correcting and coaching, and, and the truth is, it always helps you. He asked me to have that conversation with my son. That wasn't top of my agenda. I was apprehensive about that, but it changed the trajectory of my son's life and my life because of that moment. You're saying, will he come into those things? Yes, because if you care about those things, he cares about you. I wanna ask you something so practical. Is there an area or what area would you invite him to that you deeply care about in your life this week? You're like, how does that work? Just simply pray and say, Jesus, in this hobby, Jesus, in this relationship, Jesus, in this meeting, I want you to come and you have free reign to say whatever you want. And when you say, like the best friend I have, I'll listen and consider everything that you have. Say, Jed, why doesn't this happen more? I just think that we feel like he's other, he's preoccupied. We don't see ourselves the way he sees us. Would he really do that for me? The answer is yes. I didn't tell you one more thing about my son, Luke. Because I, I don't always talk about it and, it, and a lot of times it's not even relevant. But my son, Luke, my youngest son, he's adopted. That's how God placed him in our family. I love that word, 
you may not realize that the word adoption is a theological term. Because none of us are born naturally into the family of God. The only way in is to be adopted. And when you're an adopted child, sometimes you wonder, does he really love me? Does he really see me? Does he really care about me? And the answer is yes. The same way I love my son, Luke, the exact same way I love my other children, uh, not on the basis of what he's done or how he came into my life, but on who he is. God loves you the same way. And I know sometimes we struggle, Jed, does he really love? When I had that thought, when I said that to my spouse, when I did that thing that I'm not proud of, would he still love me? Do you ever struggle with whether or not he loves Jesus? The love he has for you is the love he has for Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you want to be near to us. God, we in fact sense that you're here with us. Maybe you're over in Hazlitt. Maybe you're watching online. Wherever we're at, God is present in this moment. Maybe you've never had a a relationship with God before. Just right there in your own words. Maybe you didn't even understand. I, I didn't get it, Jed. I didn't think it was that. I thought it was all the spiritual stuff I do. Remember, God makes the first move. He loved us when we were without hope in the world. Just in your own words, just say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. But I have a feeling many of us in this room, we have that relationship. There have been moments we've been close to him. Ask yourself, have I allowed myself to drift? Have I turned him into something he's not? Have I bought into the lie that he doesn't care, that he doesn't see, that he doesn't know me? Wherever he's at, just this, this can be your moment where you just say, God, I want you to help me. I want you to be near. I want to invite you into this area of my life. God, I thank you that you're so close, that you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.